right, everybody. Welcome to the Now Podcast. We are just sitting here in the office on Valentine's Day. Love is in the air. And I'm sitting here with Jordan and Suze, our executive producer, who, again, tells us what to do at all times. She's just <laughs> and, scowling at us. Yes, she is. Um, yeah, but so we are going to engage. We're going to start a two-part uh, podcast here, talk about hot and holy. We kind of just wanted to jump in uh, on what it it's looks like. named after AJ. Yes, hot and holy. That's literally how my wife had described to me this morning as she saw me praying <laughs> <laughs> on Valentine's Day. <laughs> Wow. Um, no, so we just wanted to start right in. Nothing controversial at all. Talking about what does purity look like in a millennial generation? You know, just treading on super safe waters. Um, so yeah, Jordan, why don't you get us started and talk a little bit about why we are a people who are to live in hol- holiness and purity, and um, just some cast some, some vision for where we're going because we're going to talk about alcohol, sex weed marijuana whatever you want to call it uh today we'll probably focus more so on alcohol but some other fun stuff's coming too so why don't you get us started totally uh holiness something i'm personally just passionate about and living a life marked by purity which i think most frequently gets uh, attributed to sexuality and i think that's rightly so but i don't think that that's comprehensive and so uh we are going to start today i think on the topic of uh, alcohol, which is fitting since we have a 12 pack of Christian Bud Light sitting here in front of us, AKA LaCroix. Um, But holiness, uh, you know, I think holiness has a lot of stigmas. And in my life, I I was raised in the quote unquote holiness movement, uh, which can easily veer into like this moral, uh, moral elitism or trying to, you know, kind of be the holier than thou. Um, And that is just, kind of a that's like not holiness uh at least from the perspective that we're approaching this uh you know looking at this more as in the sense of like holiness is attractive i guess would be the underlying thing that i believe and so i think the way that we engage and live our lives should be holy and uh and and that holiness should be authenticated by the world is gravitated to the way that christians are living their lives. And we find this in Jesus himself. Uh, it was sinners that loved being around him. It was religious people that hated him, but it was the quote unquote sinners, the impure, the fornicators, the prostitutes, the alcoholics, the nobodies that loved being around Jesus. And yet everyone knew that Jesus was a holy man, a rabbi. They knew he had, he was moral to the T Mm -hmm. and, uh, yet that life was so dynamic and magnet and and attractive that he was like a magnet. So, uh, when we're looking at issues such as alcohol, such as sex, such as, uh, the use of, um, you know, drugs, substances, whatever it is, I think the premise that I approach these is okay. Like we have problems in our culture and the problems oftentimes I think when we think of holiness, it's like, let's put a bandaid on top of that and act like what's the right behavior that so God's happy and that's really not our approach it's more like okay if holiness is attractive and purity is magnetizing to the world how do we engage with these topics in a way that actually embodies a true holiness that is attractive yeah that's so good that's so good and I think like 
it is attractive and we want to talk about it um, from the perspective of millennials specifically because we are living a life in the current world, in the current culture where we're experiencing all of these things. And if we don't have a good understanding of the culture and what we're up against as millennials, then we're going to be talking about the topic of holiness in a way that's really disconnected from reality. So it's not going to do us any good to talk about purity in this really ethereal sense, like totally. what does purity look like unless we understand what we truly are facing good, as dude. millennials in culture. And so, I mean, if you're listening to this, you probably are a millennial, but just to kind of give a rundown of really like what's going on in the world around us we obviously are in a culture that there's a lot of instant gratification there's a desire for instant gratification we're in a culture where there's a lot of moral gray areas and and there's disagreements on what people believe about alcohol even within the church and outside of the church and you know we're not saying that we live in this bad culture and we're up against this bad culture we don't want to demonize culture culture is culture there's been culture for all of humanity and every culture has been different. But what we want to do is recognize that as Christians, we're called to be redemptive agents of, yeah, of love so and of good. change in culture. And so as millennials, how do we live a holy life that is attractive? And how do we do that practically instead of just talking about it on a Sunday and it not having any real application in our daily lives? That's so good. I love that. I'm excited for the rest of this. So I, I know both of you really well, and I know that we have all three come from uh, really different family backgrounds, church backgrounds, in term, particularly in the term uh, of holiness and uh, our relationship with alcohol. I mean, I think the general theme, obviously, I would sure hope in any church is that we are called to be a holy people. But how that is actually applied in the church, I believe, greatly varies from church to church. Absolutely. And so I thought, Luke, why don't we take some time and kind of just share um, from our own personal experience what we've seen as at the churches we've grown up in, our relation, the relationship with alcohol mm -hmm. and how it has affected our beliefs to what our relationship as a kingdom person should be today and how that was formed in our understanding. So do you want to start, Jordan, and kind of just share a little bit sure. of your background? Uh, yeah, raised in like the Nazarene tribe, uh, holiness movement uh which essentially has you know like alcohol is bad <laughs> and uh so i was raised in a church environment that was very much it, i wouldn't say my church was not overtly like legalistic but that was just the denominational understanding is uh you don't drink alcohol the reason that the nazarene church made that is because when it started when it started it was doing inner city work with a lot of alcoholics coming out of alcoholism so it was actually made out of protection um, and then i would say as the church grew that boundary kind of turned into a wall that turned into this very legalistic um you know you don't drink drinking is bad so uh, that was kind of the paradigm um alcohol was used uh in my home like my parents drank casually so I wouldn't say that I had like a super legalistic thing on it. Um, but like church, my understanding is there was definitely like kind of a, a distrust towards alcohol. Yeah. I didn't know what I thought of it and a lot of alcoholism in both sides of my family. And then, uh, kind of as I grew up, I then also saw, which I know is relatable for a lot of people as I watched alcohol, um, bring a lot of destruction to my nuclear family and saw addiction to, uh, the substance of alcohol just do really, really terrible things to people that I love. And so I kind of emerged with a lot of fear from that towards alcohol. And, uh, 
gotten to the recovery movement in some ways of just understanding, trying to make sense of it all. And then I would say, uh, as I opened up and, uh, God took me into some more, uh, like charismatic expressions of church where alcohol maybe had a little, a different perspective on it. I would say it kind of, um, uh, loosened me in some ways and gave me opportunity to engage with the reality. Like, you know, Jesus turned water into wine, uh, and was like, okay, like, so this isn't inherently bad, but the way people can use this is bad and the motives of the heart. So, you know, all that to say is, uh, it's been a journey. I personally don't drink. I've never tasted alcohol. Well, I've tasted it, but I've never drank like a drink. I've never been intoxicated was by it the Mike's substance. Hard lemonade? Uh, no, <laughs> no. That was my brother one time when he was 14 because he got thirsty playing basketball and he passed out because he drank the whole Mike's hard, man. No. Oh my yes. gosh, that's incredible. But uh, no. So uh, I don't personally drink, uh, but at the same time, I'm, I'm, you know, people can drink around me and that's, I don't think it's wrong. I just think for me, it was a personal conviction because of just, you know, what's in my family, what I've seen. It's just not something that I've chosen to engage with, yeah. but uh, that's been kind of the context for totally. me. Totally. Yeah, and for me, I kind of grew up in a uh, probably, like, really different situation. I grew up in Orange County, California, where church is cool. <laughs> and it's primarily cool because uh, that moral gray area where I, I had this really interesting upbringing where uh, drinking in church was actually, like, this really, really cool thing. Like, not at church, but if you're part of the body, it's like when you go out after church on Sundays, what you do is you go out to the bars and you all have some fun and you just drink together. And, and a lot of it was good and a lot, not good, but a lot of it I really have no opinion on because it was just people socializing. But I all, I grew up in a family where alcohol was greatly abused. And so I was always kind of triggered and felt really weird because I would even see some of my pastors growing up. Um, at weddings or whatever, having a too, few too many, like to be frank with you. I yeah. mean, even one time I was in a wedding and the pastor <laughs> was literally taking shots with the groom and everyone in the back. And, and it just was like this really weird feeling for me because um, like I saw it was okay. Like Jesus turned water into wine. So like I, there's no place in the Bible for me where I ever came to this place of like, it's bad to drink, but all of my experiences were, uh, with alcohol were negative. Um, no. even in with my own family, but even in the church, it was like this really weird thing. It was like, I would watch people drink and not all the time, but a good part of the time, um, it would go too far. They would drink a few too many. No. And that's what made, uh, Christianity cool in the, one of the churches that I grew up in. And so it really kind of just disturbed me growing up, to be frank with you, with alcohol, because I was like, I don't I don't know what my relationship is to be with this, because I really did not see any difference. If I'm being frank with you, I saw no difference between my so-called non-Christian friends and my Christian friends who were deciding to drink. And it was always this statement of like, oh, I mean, how are people in the bars ever going to get saved if no one's in the bars like Christians are no. drinking with them? And I was like, okay, yeah, I totally hear you and I totally see what you're saying, but like you're taking it too far the majority of the time. And so for me, I'd say like, I, again, like from a theological perspective, 
like I come from a place where I believe the Bible says it's okay to drink. And as long as it's not abused, pretty much just like anything. Um, but how it's been actually applied for me and what I've seen in the millennial generation. Um, if I'm just being frank, I've seen it hurt a lot of people and there really hasn't been a way in my experience where I've seen, I've probably seen more damage, I guess is what I'm trying to say than I have good from my Christian yeah. friends who have been going out to the bars and drink. And so to be frank with you, like I'm super excited even about this conversation so that we can have a greater awareness and understanding um, on how to, to really approach this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really interesting because I grew up with a very different experience from both Jordan and AJ. Um, I actually grew up with my parents being pastors. So um, what you would expect is that maybe we did not, engage in any alcohol at all as a family but like we had a really really healthy understanding of alcohol even though my mom her dad well she had came from an alcoholic family and it was really pretty traumatic for their family um, I always had a really healthy understanding of it so as pastors my parents didn't drink we were also in a really conservative part of the state of Idaho so they definitely didn't drink in public and they were really careful to not uh, cause people in their congregation to feel um like to stumble essentially and sometimes they would drink wine at dinner and sometimes they wouldn't and it was a very very balanced situation I do remember that they were really careful with us as kids and and what we would tell people about went on in the home and I never saw that as hypocritical I always saw it as them trying to really embody what the Bible says about if you're doing so something good. and you don't have conviction about it then it's it's okay as long as it's biblical but if somebody that you're with has conviction about it don't do it or you're causing that person to stumble and I always really understood where they were coming from if they ever did which it was very very a small amount of the time um, engage in alcohol but yeah so I grew up with a really healthy understanding and what's so interesting about it is that even though I would see alcohol sometimes in our home or in my extended family I never throughout high school drank I was not a party girl in any way I had no desire to do it and not even in college which is just crazy I never had a desire even though I had a lot of freedom too and I never really saw it as an inherently bad thing I think I was always coming from that perspective of if the people around me are in any way going to be effective negatively by what I'm doing then I don't want to engage in it and I was always aware at in high school and in college that a lot of the people around me were drinking alcohol because they had they wanted to get drunk they wanted to put the pain away they wanted to experience this I don't know, this high of life that wasn't real. And so I was trying to set myself up in my relationships with people to be a light. And sometimes I would drink alcohol with a friend that I knew was okay with it in a very like discreet setting. And I, again, I didn't feel like that was hypocritical because I was just being aware of my surroundings. So I don't even really like it, but I have such a balanced approach with it. Um, it still gets confusing in conversation. I know we'll keep talking about this because it's like, especially in a ministry context or when you're with friends who aren't Christians, like, what do you do? What does it look like to live in purity with this thing that is really controversial? Totally. And so like, I think that would even be like a good segue, but so like, what do we say? Someone's listening who has a, uh, struggle with alcohol. They're a Christian, uh, and, but they really, they really like drinking alcohol, but they keep crossing that boundary. Mm -hmm. Um, like, what would you say? Like to someone, George, for someone who's really struggling with that kind of stuff right now. You know, I think part of the issue 
in Christianity in general is we try to make we try to make these like universal laws that apply to everyone and I just don't think that that's the case yeah. because like we are all in a relationship with Jesus Christ and I think that if we're honest with ourselves each one of us have our vices each one of us have our places you know for one person it's money and it's so hard to tithe for another person it's yeah. sexuality for another person's it's whatever so like we all have our drugs that we turn to to medicate because we were sinful broken people in a lot of pain and so i think the first step for me when it comes to like alcohol is like there's different categories of people there's people like Sue's and there's people like you aj which you know maybe the viewers don't know but that you had you've had drinks a few too many drinks on a just few a occasions few, yeah it's kind of funny how i just navigated and didn't really share yeah. my experience <laughs> <laughs> he just blamed it on all the pastors in Orange yeah, County. Yeah, well, so. no. The <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, so the, that's the reality. So I think, you know, if you're a person listening and you have had a struggle with alcohol, you're going to have a different journey with it than someone that hasn't. And, like, you can say that's unfair, boo-hoo-hoo, and we can look and compare. And sometimes we use comparison to feel bad about ourselves, like – why does it's okay for so-and-so to drink, but it's not okay for me in that way? Well, that's because you have a different relationship with this because of your tendencies and your weaknesses and your vulnerabilities where someone else is going to have a, the same thing in other ways. And so we just can't compare. And I don't think comparison works in this, but I would say like, if you've had a struggle with alcohol, it's a place where you continually have slipped. I say, well, that's where you're going to have to have more rigid boundaries in your life. And, you know, and I would say you have to start with no alcohol. For quite a while and you know you know you have an issue with alcohol if you can't do that yeah if that's a really really hard struggle to say i can't go six months without alcohol then you probably have a problem with it <laughs> and like we just have to have humility to have an honest assessment so i think for me a healthy like where the beginning of a healthy relationship with alcohol begins is an honest assessment of yourself yep you know so that's that's what i would say to totally that. And, and i love that i mean that was my journey too i mean i i drank hardcore high school drunk my freshman sophomore years on many many of the weekends and you know and then i mean i i also want to paint the pretty picture of the church that i grew up in you know they did encourage me to live in holiness even though i I saw that they weren't, but they encouraged me to live mm -hmm. in holiness and to, to step away, especially if I was underage to not drink. And so, I, so I didn't like, I didn't drink pretty much throughout the rest of high school. Um, but like, it still was really, really, really hard for me, um, to stop as crazy as that, as that sounds until like you kind of just encouraged is to like do this honest assessment of coming before the Lord and my actual heart for the Lord. When, when that turned and when I started chasing after him, like it was crazy how just even that desire for me to drink just completely yeah. left, you know? And so I almost am like kind of encouraged um, to say like with the millennials and how we've approached drinking a little bit, because I do think we haven't said it's this black or white thing, but it's this, relational with Jesus what is Jesus leading and guiding and how are we engaging with it um but I think like for me Sue's like you um really talked about which I thought was beautiful about how you just had this conviction um that you didn't want to cause I mean to use your classic cheesy Christian <laughs> language but you didn't want to cause your brother or sister to stumble um like why 
And do you think, like, I know you've done that, but have you seen um, other people in your life really choose that? Um, and if so, like, how could you encourage someone who says, yeah, you know what? I'm somebody who doesn't have a problem with drinking. I actually um, really enjoy it. I feel like the Lord has given me grace to be able to participate in it. And I go out to the bars and we have a good time. Um, but how do you encourage people who do have that to be more aware of their surroundings? What would you say to them? Yeah. So I have so many thoughts running through my right, my mind right now. Um, first, like I am encouraged too about how millennials have approached this because even though we said there's a lot of moral gray areas and culture, which isn't necessarily a good thing. What we're saying right now is not that alcohol is a moral gray area. We're saying that it's more about a posture of your heart and holiness in general is a lot about a posture of your heart. There are obviously some hard and fine lines, but in this situation, it's, it's a posture. And so to answer your question directly, I guess that I, who this is a big one. I guess that I have tried to avoid putting people in situations where they weren't going to flourish because I feel like my role as a friend in people's lives is to help them flourish. And so to be honest, like, yes, I've tried to set myself up in a way where I wasn't causing people to stumble around me to use all the really cheesy Christian language, but it's not always that simple. Like sometimes I'm in environments with people where I don't know how they feel about it. Totally. And I've had, even in the last couple of years, particularly in ministry context, had to really check myself because, um, it's really interesting when you find yourself in the middle of groups of people where you have people who hate anything that's religious and they want freedom and they want, you know, oh, we don't need to be held down by all these rules and regulations. We have the Holy Spirit. And obviously I'm talking in very Christian context, but there's a lot of people who have this idea of freedom and what that looks like and the way it should play out. And they would see rules and regulations surrounding alcohol as something bad. And then when you're caught in the middle of that and people who are legitimately harmed by alcohol, um, that's the challenge that I've faced. And, and honestly, it's still something I'm working through, but I think my default is always be aware of the people that you're around. And if there is any chance at all that you're going to take away from somebody's opportunity to flourish as a Christian and flourish in their faith, then don't engage in it. And that's just my personal hard and fast rule. Um, I also think it's really important to be open and communicate about this because unless you do, you're never going to know where somebody stands on it. And lastly, I would say, I think that, um, it's okay to take a stance on it and it's okay to tell people that, that you do drink occasionally or whatever, but make sure when you do that, you include in the conversation, a bigger conversation about beliefs because confusion will literally kill people like if you don't get to the bottom of things and, and I, i'd add that too i sue's earlier said uh that you want to have conviction with why you do things and i think that that's probably my biggest critique as a pastor of a lot of millennials is there a lot of people really don't have awareness of the conviction of why is it that i'm drinking alcohol and i feel like if we're to be redemptive agents in a culture that is abusing alcohol we better understand why we're using it yeah, because totally. I think there's so many, there are so many 
millennials that are revolting against a religious paradigm and it's like they they're they're rebelling from that into quote unquote freedom that's not freedom that's no. rebellion and so you're <laughs> actually doing it out of a rebellious conviction which is not going to bring any redemption you're actually then going to lead people astray you're going to create this message like you know if you're going to be legalistic oh you don't drink you're legalistic instead of like no 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 like i don't think that that should be any of it like to me the, the, the greatest conviction, which is a beautiful one, is it's joy. 100%. Like your conviction for drinking alcohol should be to create joy and intimate connection with other human beings that you love. And that's that's what we see Jesus did. Yep. He turned water into wine to create joy at a wedding. Yep. And like that's a beautiful redemptive purpose in itself. We have to value joy to do that, which a lot of the church doesn't value 100%. joy. But that's a great conviction, you know, and, and yada, yada, yada. And so the other reason we have to know convictions because that's what safeguards us from addiction. Because the way that addiction is formed is I start using things when I'm hurting yeah. to comfort me. And uh, if you don't understand why you're using alcohol in the first place and you're not aware of what's happening inside of you, then you've created this habitual haver. Oh, no, I'm just drinking because I'm not I'm not religious. Well, that's an easy excuse to throw out a Band-Aid on top of the pain or the rejection that you're experiencing. And, uh, you know, and then you just you find yourself all of a sudden creating a habitual pattern that you turn to alcohol whenever you're hurting and alcohol becomes your comforter and not Jesus. So it's like yeah. we have to be aware of the why. And uh, that's the, probably the biggest. That's the only like yoke or burden that I will put on people I lead is why, why are you doing it? And that's not to say that you, you just need the right why. Yeah. Conviction. That that's so good, dude. Cause I remember like, just as I was going through this process of, cause when I abstained for like five or six years in a row, um, as I said, it was like, it was tough. And I was constantly going through this battle of should I, or should I not, should I, or should I not? And to be frank with you, I loved how you just brought up that joy part because I had to actually no joy in my abstinence. I had no joy in it at all. And then it wasn't until I felt like in a day in prayer where the Lord spoke to me and he said, AJ, like you could be the first male swice ever to not be an alcoholic. Wow. And like, when the Lord spoke that to me, I was like, are you, the whole narrative changed. I had this deep, deep, deep conviction There's of like, conviction. I am going to be a man of God who chooses not to drink because I come from a family line so where good. alcohol has always been abused. And so it really, I love how you say that. Cause I really think we've had these radical pendulum swings yeah. in, in throughout the church. You either can or you can't, yep. you're either holy or you're not. And I don't think that's the right way to even totally. be engaging in this kind of conversation. Cause that conviction when somebody who drinks ask you, why don't you drink? You're not, shaming them you're not you're showing them like this is why there's your own moment for redemption if someone else drinks and you have a conviction because you know joy and da 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 and you have this deep rooted um decision that you've <laughs> made with the lord then when you do drink as a christian you're not shamed or feeling like you have to justify totally. you're saying you're bringing people into the redemptive purpose you're actually bringing people into your relationship with jesus that's how we bring redemption that's how you actually change culture you know so your why i feel like is so vital in this relationship mm -hmm. yeah so 
there's obviously a lot more to this conversation that we could go into and we really just want to leave it there because we want you to be able to spend time and process what this looks like in your life and if you do have questions we want you to journal those and and think through all of this because god wants holiness for you and um that's going to look like intentionality and it's going to look like you examining the culture around you and examining the motivations of your heart and making decisions based off of that so we're coming from three very different experiences and yet we've come to a somewhat really common consensus consensus and we don't think that we have all the answers but we we really do think that um this is an important conversation that needs to continue in the church if we're going to be a generation that lives in holiness so that's what we have for today and we're going to wrap it up but we hope that you'll join us again next time we're going to be talking about sexual purity so uh that's going to be a good time we hope that you leave this podcast both hotter and more holy oh, than yeah. you came oh, in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and if you, it's Valentine's Day, and if you uh, have a wife or a spouse of any form, just say, hey, babe, let's go after being hot and holy. <laughs> Actually, you should just be like, look up AJ Swice on Facebook and 100%. just say, God formed me into his image. <laughs> 100%. And Jordan and I are currently also coming up with a workout video, um, calling it Bodies by Bishop or Ripped by Rev. That uh, you so guys. Please comment and uh, let us know what you, what you prefer more. <laughs> awesome. All righty, guys. Well, stay tuned. George, Susanna, and I say thanks for listening. Happy Valentine's Day. We love you. We love you. For more information on now, please visit thenowgathering.com. Stay tuned.